Welcome to Careers Unplugged, the weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program. If you feel being happy, committed and passionate about your career is important, you are in the right place. My name's Rich Sayer and I'm here with the fabulous co-founder of Careers Unplugged, and the Master of Me coaching program, Mr. Stuart Hayes. Stuha, good evening. Mr. Ruha, how are you? I'm, I'm, uh, I've not I'm, been called Mr. for some time. You like it? <laughs> I used to cop it all the time when I lived in Asia. They'd, everyone would be calling ah, me Mr. Mr. Stewart. Mr. Mr. Stewart. No. It's great. I, I'm ha- I've had an awesome day. It's excellent. great to be here. Nice. And how are you? I am good. I am good. Thank good. you. G-O-O-D. Yeah, I don't need to really expand on that. With a full stop or a comma, are we going to continue beyond good? Uh, Look, put an exclamation mark. What the heck? So, um, come on then, let's just get on with it. Tell us all about tonight's exciting guest. Well, this is going to be a a very, very interesting discussion, Rich. A crackerjack, as you say. It is, it is. Our special guest today has had an incredible career. It's been a wide-ranging career. Mm -hmm. And you are going to love this. Yep. Rich, she has featured inside her career working with a heap of our previous guests on Careers Unplugged. Gotta love that. (laughs) As well as an amazing array of other well-known and inspiring people. She's worked with sports marketing and sports management across the Olympics in Sydney. She's been the EA to a media magnate, was the assistant manager to a whole bunch of Australian rock bands like The Angels, Johnny Diesel, Baby Animals... And she even worked for a stint temping in London at Capital Radio Station on the Chris Tarrant Breakfast Show. And I've got to say that when I lived in Brunei, this was my my connection to the Western world. And we used to have the Chris Tarrant Breakfast Show pumping through the office. And I even went to uh, Capital FM in, in London once to try to get on the show. Didn't have any success, so we can talk about that. But most notably, she is renowned for her work in public relations. And with this hat on, she has worked with many, many clients in so many fields, it's almost ridiculous, ranging from volunteer pro bono work with charities to community groups to sports people, business leaders, you name it. In it goes fact, on and on. It's amazing. And despite all that, she's just a simply lovely person. Aww. It is my great, great pleasure to welcome to Careers Unplugged this week, Nicola Archer. Hello, Mr. Hayes and Mr. Rich. <laughs> Two <Hello>. more misters. <laughs> I, I thought I'd be respectful. I like Mr. Rich. That's kind of cool. I like yeah, Mr. Mr. Rich. Mr. Remember that I, tragic band called Mr. Mr.? I, they were, they were a tragic man. I love that band. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you mess with Mr. Mr. Don't you blaspheme in here. No, it's one time. I'm teasing. Camp. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, 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 did they do that? Kyrie on. That was the one, anyway. mate. This yeah, is, they, they were pretty good. I'm just seeing pictures of people with saxophones and curly hair and stuff yeah. like that. You try and deny your 80s-ness, but, uh, mate, I was there. Dude, at least, at least I was, uh, you know, in the 80s, uh, I skipped the acid wash thing and went sort of straight into the, the more alternative stuff, I think. And Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode, yes. New oh, yeah. Order. You and New Order the all, like, all the way. Beautiful, yep. beautiful. Yeah, 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 you're talking my language as well. The Smiths. His, his real name yeah. is Stuart Bizarre Love Triangle Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember... I remember. It was a great era. Way back in the day. And then along came grunge. And God bless grunge. I loved grunge. Did you? I never loved grunge. I did. No. Nirvana. 
No. So I great. skipped all that. I was no, playing I... guitar by then and I still didn't love it. <laughs> but anyway, it's not about me. It's about our guest. So, Nicola, oh. that's a pretty big, uh, big sort of scope of works that Stewie's just rattled off there. Yeah, thanks. I got a bit nervous, actually, I was re- when I was looking at what I'd been doing. <laughs> and today's <laughs> special guest, Nicola. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what was your first job? Where did, you, uh, where did it all begin? Uh, well, it all began by accident. And, in fact, every single major career move that I've had has been by accident, um, which is probably not so great for your show. But no, no. Um, good. We love that. My very first job, as in when I left school, high school, mm. was for three months in a printing firm. It was awful. And uh, they made – we printed um, all of the major programs for, like, the ballet, the opera and all of those sort of things – and I was sacked after three months because the guy said that <laughs> I, I lacked nouse and I didn't even know what nouse meant and when I got home crying, <laughs> I actually had to look it up, find out what that meant. But really what, what, what had happened and I was all, you know, I was 18 years old or 17 years old, I didn't lie to one of their biggest clients, Playbill, and the client kept ringing and saying, when are the printing things going to be done? And the guy wouldn't answer the phone, kept telling me, he's at, tell, tell them I'm at lunch and finally, the boss ended up ringing me in the afternoon and saying, Nicola, I know you know where the programs are. Can you tell me when they're going to be delivered to us? And I said, well, they haven't been done yet. And I was like, oh <laughs> So I'm just sort of, I mean, I know we just talked about you're in PR. Yeah. And now you're talking about absolute authenticity. I'm just really looking forward to getting those two together later on in this conversation. <laughs> Oh, good, because don't you think PR and authenticity can work? Well, I do, yes. Good. I think you're in for a PR disaster if they don't. Totally. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're putting, especially in the world of social media, and uh, you can't hide anything, everything speaks and it speaks volumes. If That's what I love about social media, actually, is that it's, it's shining a torch onto authenticity. And spelling mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it, it can be because, I mean, on the other hand, you've got the world of selfies and people looking for adoration and, and you know, only putting their best foot forward sort of thing and just, you know, just basically presenting themselves as a load of yeah. for, uh, for a bunch of other people that don't actually care. No, uh, I agree. And, it's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's, it's promoting a lot of superficiality, actually. I, I mean, yes, I think social media is amazing, but I also think there's... It's so one-dimensional in a way as well, so it's hard to feel real. Totally, totally. There's a really cool little video uh, which I will send you the link for, which this English guy's done, and last time I saw it, it had about 158,000 shares or something. And there's a four-minute video basically on how... um, social media is anything but it's anti-social media because people are sitting in their rooms looking at their phones not talking to each other and never making eye contact yeah. you know it was great but anyway we'll come back to you so you're you're, you're... Oh, so I, I gave you a bit of a boring as my first job but then i went straight into marketing after that but again you know by it was it was it was a mistake someone called me and said would you like to come and run, you know work in this scuba diving marketing <laughs> firm and so i learned all, all sorts of things which was great Wonderful. did you scuba dive no, but we marketed the Great Barrier Reef to the North Americans, the Japanese, um, and it was the first time tourists, you know, that the Great Barrier Reef had been marketed like that. It was pretty amazing. But my bosses and all the people that worked in the company did. I, I was the only one who didn't. Is this the uh, chuck another shrimp on the Barbie era, or is it sort of around that time? Just, bef- just before that. 
Wow. Just before Paul Hogan's ad, yeah. And um, it, was, it was awesome. So it was great, Keppel, Lindemann, Islands, and um, Hamilton. So it was, yeah. So I sort of got a little foot in that way of learning how to be in an office and be with people who don't, you know, sack you if you don't like the client. <laughs> And um, had a rat man in office and answer the phone and all those sort of things, which was really, you know, just great for someone straight out of school with no qualifications. And then I was offered a job. I was headhunted and I was offered a job to be a publicist. And that was the beginning, you know, to be a junior. I had no clue what a publicist was. And, um, but my it sounded boss, cool. It was sounded very cool. And my boss said... Um, Need someone with Naus. <laughs> he said, go upstairs and find out. And within a week, I was traveling around Australia with the tennis team. So it was like heaven. Fantastic. Total heaven. And, and yeah, so that's sort of the beginning of my career. Wow. So that's a, that's a big turning point then. That, that. Yeah, huge. And, and how long were you there for? I was there for about seven years. I absolutely loved the job. I woke up every day busting to get to work. I just absolutely adored it. We worked long hours. It was in the late 80s and basically, you know, we had every single major client in Sydney. Our, our agency, our PR agency, was run by this guy who just, he believed in people and he was really good uh, judge of character and we were sort of, we had all the top blue chip clients. We taught Kylie Minogue how to do her first interview on Neighbours. We had all the different Grundies and, you know, entertainment clients, Ford, Kellogg's, the whole lot. And he also was the first person to create an integrated um, PR agency with direct marketing, advertising and everything else. So a lot, I learned a lot and I just loved it. And I was literally... Junior, junior to three cons- senior consultants, so I was doing all of their work underneath for them. But I was also then given my own accounts to run as well. So I was working on the Fin Review and Tonka Toys and radio stations, and oh, I just loved it. Tonka Toys. Now let me focus yeah. on that. I mean, you mentioned some big yeah. names there, but now you're talking about big trucks, <laughs> big uh, yellow trucks. They forget Colin And and Jenga was the toy at the time that came oh, out, wow. and also one of those um, uh, the puppies. The yuppie, I can't remember what they're called now. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm a bit of a big kid. I mean, if I had my dream job right now, I'd have my own kids' TV show because I love cartoons and, you know, that sort of thing. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. this is the era to just start it, Nicola, isn't it, really? You know, just jump on totally. the internet and start a little uh, video podcast um, reviewing these things, displaying these things, whatever. Yeah, totally. So you've... you've uh, You've eventually, um, I mean, you've gone across to, uh, to work with Chris Tarrant and done all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, what was the change? How did you end up in the UK? Oh, well, um, I was still at Harrison's and um, I was about 25 years old or 26 and I sort of went, oh, I need to travel the world. I haven't done that yet. And all of my friends did it at 18 and then went to uni. But so I did it sort of backwards so I said, you guys, I'm leaving and I'll come back here and um, I'm going to go and travel for a year. So that's how that happened. So I, I worked in London for six months, loved it, and I was got, just offered jobs everywhere. And, you know, the English love Australian workers anyway. Mm. So I was thrown into the best aid agencies. I worked at Ridley Scott Films and then, you know, I got a job doing the assistant producer on the radio show for Chris Tarrant. And Stuart, I don't think you called him. I might have remembered, maybe, hearing an Aussie accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was about uh, probably 1997, I'd say. Uh, no, around I that, Around that time. I then. Yeah. 
I can't remember um, dates. I'm pretty hopeless at that sort of thing. And then I travelled and then came back and decided that I wanted to work in music. So, you know, this is again by accident. These things happen. I think when you... I, I, all of my life I've just wanted to have fun in my job. I think it's really important, whatever fun is. I mean, you can work on heavy-ended business and high-powered stuff and still have a good time, you know. Um, but I came back sort of being in love with music, musicians. So I went temping. I, had, I came back completely broke, had absolutely not a cent. So the next day I went straight to an agency and said, can you give me some temp work? I worked in North Sydney in some boring insurance firm for two days bored out of my brain but thinking okay well I'm just going to earn some money and get sort of get back into the ad agencies and temp with them and this fantastic woman said Nicola what do you do for a living because you don't seem like this is your sort of thing and what and so I told her and then and then she said what do you want to do you're like a mouse Nicola that's it what yeah that's right what do you want to do with your life as in right now and I said oh I think I want to be in the music industry and she said sit down she made a phone call to Mushroom Records. Now, this is a very daggy-looking woman in an insurance company looking very straight-laced, and she is ringing the head of Mushroom Records and saying, I've got this gorgeous girl in front of me who wants to work in the music business. Can she come and have a job interview with you? So it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and they turned around and said, well, we haven't got anything going, but the, angel, the manager of the Angels, Baby Animals and Diesel, need an assistant manager for a few months. Can she go and do that? <laughs> so, yeah, guys, that's sort of how it happens. So you're, you're life-changing moments. You've just had this string of things just unfold in front of you. You've followed yeah. them. Uh, yeah. Have you had tough times, though? Oh, tough absolutely. Times? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, oh. Probably quite a few. I mean, you know, there's. I started my business again by accident when I was 30. When I came to Melbourne, I came for a party and I ended up staying. And, and, <laughs> I, I, and I, yeah, you, yeah, you did spend too long in the music industry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was a big party. It yeah, was, that was, it was a good party. <laughs> it, it was the bird. I was invited to the birdcage for a week. And and <laughs> what had happened? Why wouldn't you stay? Was so fun. <laughs> So fun. I just finished though working on one of the biggest things in the country of and it was heavy. Um, the working with the media magnet and we were fighting Kerry Packer and all of the major media guys for the for the rights for pay television in, in Australia. So it was six months of serious phone calls till three in the morning, lobbying the federal government, um, putting aboard a director, lots of money flying around. We were floating on the stock exchange. I mean it was just a lot of stuff. Again, I was I was sent to that job as by a headhunter um, who he wanted an executive assistant, and I didn't even actually know what an executive assistant was. I was a pure publicist by then, and um, I couldn't even turn the te- the um, typewriter the computer on. I had to ring my sister in London to work out how to use the computer. Ended up that I only needed to turn it on and off. I didn't actually do any typing for this man. It was just really amazing. So anyway. I was exhausted, so I was burnt out, and I was invited to Melbourne for a party. I ended up staying, starting the business. And over the different times, I'm self-taught. I I was never taught how to get new business or, you know, I'm sure everyone's like that too. I mean, you you just do things. I'm sure if I knew what I was doing, I may not have started my own business. Yeah, blissful ignorance allows us to get away with things, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, you guys have probably felt it too. You sort of think, God, if I knew anything about that, I wouldn't want to have done it. (laughs) (laughs) I think my wife wishes I didn't know things. (laughs) So I wouldn't. 
Oh, so so um so yeah, so through through some of that over the last you know twenty or so years, you know eighteen years, I've I've had moments where I haven't been able to pay my rent and sort of turn around and went oh. I've been flat chat busy on the biggest campaigns in this country but didn't think about getting any bit work to follow it. Mm. And, and luckily, most of the time for me, the phone just rings. And literally when, a, when two or three projects are finishing or I'm juggling a few and I'm sort of right in them, the phone will ring and say, oh, we need you actually to start something else in about two months' time. Can so you do I, it? I want to touch on a couple of things that you said because you, you're, you're the accident, accidental superhero. You yes, know, you've, I'm you've, terrible you've, too. Yeah, which is a, which is a wonderful um, lifestyle choice, you know, for want of a better description, um, because life's unfolding and opportunities have come to you and you've taken yep. them and you've enjoyed them and it's allowed you to grow as a person and to provide for yourself along the journey. Yep. How and, – and obviously, you know, it's all great and I know for myself when we're telling – stories and recounting large slabs of one's life into a few seconds you know you, you, you're pulling out the the high points yep. you know uh, like the game of a proverbial frogger there's the gaps in between and as you say you have not being able to pay the bills and so on and so forth how do you put this sort of um accidentalness uh next to say something like goals and priorities well, that's the thing. I've, I've, I've basically grown up with a no plan plan. And, that's, and now I think that that's, I used to sort of think that was amazing and gave me all the freedom in the world and it's a pretty exciting way to live. But I actually do think that it's, I should have planned some things. Mm. Like, for example, recently, about two years ago, I lost the use of my legs and it was a little bit of a shock. <laughs> and so luckily I had enough money in my bank account to sort of manage the healing process of it all. Mm. But I wasn't ready for also the GFC to happen at the same time and, you know, three clients also suddenly cancelled big projects that we had all planned to go. Yep. And, it's, and it was nothing to do with me and it actually had nothing to do with my legs, but it was, it was due to the economy and some fear and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Yep. But... I actually had no plan Mm -hmm. and I had no backup plan. Mm. And you have a sort of a by a wing and a prayer sort of a plan. And my plan is always, you know, you've got to trust, you know, you've got to have faith that things will work out and you stay as positive as you can. But I've had a couple couple of big dark things like that happen in my life where I sort of thought, oh, no. (laughs) And how did you navigate out of that? Because, look, I've been through things too and the GFC smashed my business. I'm in the music entertainment business yep. myself and yep. and entertainment is a discretionary spend yeah it's luxury and uh, it's optional that's right they tend to feed people but then decide they won't have the band um so we really hit, got hit hard and then i had my own personal savings let's say shares and what have you just crumble and i had to get rid of them all and then i had my house burned down so i got smacked in the rich. yeah I, I had a big big hiding in that period myself yeah. how, did, how did you navigate out of it yeah i lost where i was living as well and a few of those sort of things going on um how did i navigate i sort of clumsily yep. but also i i put me first i put my health first i just thought well i've got to fix my legs more than anything and just sort of get get back on track and i didn't tell too many people what was going on because I, because I just felt energetically I didn't want to give it too much of a voice. Mm. And I also didn't want to give my fear 
too fuel, much of fuel that. it yeah fuel it exactly so there was sort of a blend of not being in denial being authentic and real but also just just mad, just just juggling day to day basically you suddenly get into a space i think where you don't look very far ahead yeah. and the, that's kind of easy for me because i have no plan plan so mm. it's a little bit easier maybe to, i'm only saying this out loud now and thinking about it but maybe that's actually been a bit of a saviour for me of not being so crushed when goals didn't happen because I didn't have them. It was just really... You weren't too attached to them. So how do you you make decisions when you've got a couple of options that present? Uh, Always by my gut feeling, always by intuition. Um, I, I have turned down business when I really needed money on with stuff that people have approached me with big money, seemingly seems okay to the point that everybody else would take it on something that hasn't felt right and that's happened to me three times in my life where I've just sort of thought it doesn't feel right I don't know what it is it's just not for me and I've had people say you are mad you are crazy Mm. you know you need to do this and it's and and there's nothing wrong with it could you share a little bit about you know that that sort of dynamic of feeling what, how do you feel? You know, what's the feeling or the intuition? Okay, so I tune in to, well, it's just usually, a, it's almost straight away. Something happens when I'm talking to people on the phone or in a meeting and I just, something doesn't quite gel with me. Quite often when I'm in a meeting, I can see the end result of what we're going to do before we've even finished the meeting. Like I see the headlines, the big, the magazines, the stories, the this, the that, without them even telling me what we're going to do. I just get these lovely... Um, experiences of this will be fun, this will be amazing, and I, I can help them. You know, I get all of that sort of rush. Whereas when I, with one particular, this one particular project, it was about a heroin clinic. He actually was looking after, mm. um, you know, this guy basically was starting up something quite um, controversial but also interesting and new uh, to get people out of heroin. And it's sort of, it's been a very heavy topic for me to be tackling. But there was something about him that I didn't quite feel good about at all. I just, yeah. Just felt I, it. Just I felt him. I, I mean, this has it. been a really fascinating um, topic for us on this show. We've had people who, uh, who are very pragmatic, goal-focused, and then other people who have goals but um, just sort of put them out there and then feel their way. And, and then now we've got someone who, um, it's the no-goal goal. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've had a few of those actually, and, and 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 let's be honest, the artsy types, you know, and we think we've interviewed people like Ross Wilson and and Vince Sorrenti, and you know, those that are in the performing arts tend to be more flow based, mm. rather than right. I'm going to get to this point financially, economically, whatever, whatever. Yeah, money never comes into my thing ever. No, it, it, it actually never does, and. What was amazing, the universe does do a beautiful things for you. You know, for example, there was these three instances where I went, ah, oh, no, it's not feeling right, and I actually turned it down, and everyone was shocked and going, you're kidding. And even the person that's the client that's sort of said, you're kidding, I've said, look, it just, it's just not for me. Yeah. I, d- I don't think it's right. And I've sort of gone home thinking, who knew what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, within Trust. a week... Yeah, within a, a light, and I, I don't get any indication that anything's going to turn out okay. And let me tell you, I just know that it'll be wrong for me to do it. I just, that's all I know. I don't know that I'm going to get myself out of a soup by saying no. Yeah, yeah. And then what has happened three times, as in major, um, 
a huge client like Telstra or someone have come in and said, we need you to start next week. It's it's six months. It's this, it's that. It's the biggest project we've got. And it's this amount of money. It's three times the amount. And I'm thinking, oh, yes. Obsession <laughs> <laughs> uh, effect. Uh, look, you know, and and being being a muso, the opposite always used to apply. That where you'd get you'd get a gig, and they were hard work right at the beginning. Yeah. But because you know, musos yeah. are desperate for the money. They go, okay, look, we're going to do this one, even though it doesn't. You know, something about okay. it's annoying, but we're desperate for the work. And sure enough, they'll have to turn away three massive gigs on that night <laughs> because they were yeah. committed to someone who. Yeah. It was hard work right from the beginning, you know. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That <clears> happens <throat> with parties. Like you can have a weekend of absolutely nothing to do and every and you get asked out three times on the same day. It's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> or in your case, to... you could come to the party and then stay <laughs> for 15 years. Um, <laughs> so This is it. <laughs> so, you know, looking back at that amazing uh, career that you've had, yeah. so, so many different interesting um, roles... What would be the, the highlight? I think, um, you know, I've worked with really famous people like Ian Thorpe and Kathy Freeman and those sort of people before that everyone knew who they were. Mm. Um, and that was, it's awesome then later on watching them just go from success to success and be amazing. But some of the most exciting, interesting things that for me is when I can really help someone who would never have had a clue like, for example, I've worked with ethnic artists who live with a disability, you know, and, they've, and they have cerebral palsy and all these other things and they just never would have thought that they, their work was important enough to be in the papers or on TV, and, and it is. And you just and we get front cover paper stories, you know. We've got um, carers and, and disability people actually getting very frightened when their kids are going to be photographed in the paper. They believe the media is going to pull them apart and make fun of them and it's going to be terrible. Yeah. So I've got to deal with a lot of crap getting to this from A to B mm. and to calm people down and to say, listen, they're not going to pull you apart. You want the coverage yet you don't want to let me do it. You know, it's that sort of thing. And then you suddenly have these beautiful front cover of every newspaper of these different amazing people with disabilities basically feeling so proud of themselves and so recognised and so important. You know, I, I love that sort of thing as well. Raising funds for hundreds of thousands of dollars for organisations from CARE to Johnny Farnham Concerts to the Women of Achievement Awards for Brainlink, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty cool things to do too. Ones with heart, causes with heart sort of thing. Yeah, there's yeah. Such, a, such a theme of that. Um, heart and giving and, and even uh, looking at your bio before you came on the show, there's such a, a huge contribution. If you were making a contribution to someone younger in their career now, what would be the golden nuggets that you would, of advice you'd give them? That, you know, um, a lot of the younger 21 and 20-year-olds 20, 20 come to me and they sort of want, they say, I want what you're having. <laughs> they actually say it. <laughs> like that donut. Where do I download your life? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I sort of and I sort of say, well, you really I've worked for every single thing I've done. I've worked really hard. It's not I've 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 been really lucky and, and blessed, but I've also contributed. You, you know, you give back. You share. And I feel like you were saying before, um, Rich, you know, with the whole selfie thing and look at me and I fat perfect. this world isn't perfect and PR isn't perfect and it's about, you know, being real and actually knowing how to um, read people and care about people and, 
you know, PR's a little bit almost, it's a bit wrong because it's like we overgive. You know, it's very rare for me to do a radio show or a TV interview or whatever. Even you know, I only do it when I'm asked because it's not about me. It's about the client. Mm. And there's a thing too, isn't there, that to some degree PR, often people think the spin. Yeah. Where actually the core meaning is the opposite because it's the word relations in there is actually like engaging with the public, not just trying to blindside them with, with bull. That's right, fob them off, treat them like they're stupid like our government do at the moment. Correct. You Correct. know, sort of like especially with the immigration, it's sort of like hang on a minute, you know, it is about telling the truth. And I think that's probably why I've lasted for so long and why I can hold my head up high and I only choose clients that I believe in because... A life isn't long enough to be lying or covering things up or to be pretending they didn't say something that they said. You know, it, I, I'm just not into that. It's just too much. So that's probably what I would say to the kids is, you know, you've got to be real and you have to be sensitive about, around the people and you have to want to work. Totally agree. Now, Nicola, if someone wants to get in touch with you to, to gain some of your amazing insight and wisdom... Where do they go to? What's the web address? I have a website, uh, www.nicolaarchercommunications.com. And we will also put that on, on careersunplugged.com. And uh, for all the Careers Unplugged listeners, Nicola's going to have a mystery gift. Do you see the way I did that with my voice? Yeah, I loved it. A mystery gift for the Careers Unplugged listeners, specifically around... Profile raising. Profile raising. There you go. Yeah, and this is me? the era of authority. You know, according to Google, this is all about people being on authority. So this is actually uh, oh, very, yeah. very important um, topic. Off, off air, we're going to talk about that. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Yeah. Hey, we're it's, it's almost it's out of time here, Nicola. It's, it's like real estate. It's like positioning, positioning, positioning. Yep. Yeah. We're, we're actually running out of time here, Nicholas. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, oh. This has—I feel like we've just scratched the scratch of uh, topics that we could have talked about with you. Um, thank you for having me. Totally. And maybe we should just, you know, book a restaurant somewhere, get a good bottle of plonk, and I could pick your pick your brains on a whole heap of information about, about PR. Um, it doesn't worry me, Rich. Let's do it. Yeah, sounds good. Um, look. To all of you at home, in the car, wherever you are, thank you for joining us. And we hope that the, uh, the insights provided by Nicola Archer will help you on your journey. I, I'm loving the no plan plan. Yes, me too. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to take a little bit of that away with me today and make no plans for tomorrow. Make a point of visiting careersunplugged.com and, uh, and check out the mystery gift. That people is going to leave and uh, get access to a whole bunch of other resources designed specifically to help you make it big in life, career and business. This has been a lot of fun and this has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.